It's Wednesday, June 14. This is not Chip Flory. Davis Michelson here for Markets and News Signal to Noise. As always, Jim Wiesmeyer, policy analyst from Pro Farmer, joins us. Hello, Jim. How are we today? Pretty good. I've got some big news for tomorrow, June the Ooh. 15th. It's okay. my birthday. Your birthday is tomorrow? <laughs> well. Tomorrow. Uh, I'm know, gonna, all great men are dead, and I don't feel well myself. That's how I like to say it. <laughs> well, that's, you're in good company then. You're in good company. It speaks well of you. <laughs> well, we can get into it later. It would have been nice if uh, EPA had maybe recognized your birthday with uh, some finalized RFS quotas, but w- we'll get into that later. Yes, we'll get um, into that. Earlier this morning, you and I had a chance to talk with uh, Representative G.T. Thompson of uh, the 15th district of Pennsylvania regarding some farm bill stuff. Um, you know what? Let's let's just roll it, and then you and I can discuss afterwards. Here's here's the clip from this morning with GT Thompson. I've got Chairman of the House Ag Committee, Representative GT Thompson. Chairman Thompson, thanks for joining us on AgriTalk. We appreciate your time, sir. Thanks, Jim. Thank you both. Uh, really pleased to be with you. Absolutely, and we do have pro farmer policy analyst Jim Weismeyer with us. Jim, good morning. Good morning. Let's get right to it, Davis. Let's let's do, Mr. Chairman. Um, let's talk about uh, current issues between uh, House Speaker Kevin McCarthy and the far right House GOP members. Do the squabbles between those uh, two groups there mean no additional new funding for a new farm bill? No, absolutely not. There's no real bearing or implications that that I see uh, with. Uh, with this small group of folks who uh, are really trying to hold the House hostage here, um, you know, Speaker McCarthy has been a great ally in the farm bill process so far. I mean, he understands the serious of it, the logistics to make it happen, what's needed. Um, and as we talk about the months ahead, you know, one important point is that uh, I, I've never had uh, Republican leadership uh, rowing in the same direction when it comes to a farm bill as as this group is. Speaker McCarthy, Leader Scalise, Chairwoman Stefanik, uh, Whip Emmer, uh, they are all great champions and proponents for the farm bill. And so we're working together on everything from member education to, quite frankly, future whip operations. And so, uh, and you've read our budget views and our estimates letter. There really is no better return on investment when it comes to federal funding. Uh, I think the people of, of American agriculture, those hardworking families, whether they're providing food, fiber, building materials, energy resources, and we should celebrate that that the agriculture industry provides 46 million jobs, 2.6 trillion in wages, uh, over 947 billion dollars in tax revenue, 202 billion dollars in exports, and 8.6 trillion dollars. And economic output that that is why agriculture is this nation's number one industry well to chairman since you you know listed those figures and they're good ones for the uh, uh ag sector does that mean you've convinced uh, uh house speaker mccarthy for additional funding beyond the baseline because you you know you've heard the mainstream farm groups say they'd rather have an extension than a baseline farm bill well, uh, you know, an extension is short-sighted. It it really falls short of us making the refinements uh, that that I think at this point we're we're beginning to form in our mind. I, uh, I I use a baseball analogy where well, when it comes to the farm bill, we're rounding first base. That means we're we're really doing a great job and probably beginning to wrap up the the fact finding, the audit phase. Uh, we will later this month. Start 
hard to write. Um, and, uh, and and we're going to be, I think, on course to do this by the, uh, um, you know, quite frankly, what I've always committed to, uh, to completing a farm bill on time. And we've made the case again and again that a successful farm bill is one that enhances our farm safety net for our producers. And a baseline funded bill does not mean that we can't make program improvements. But whether a bill passes this year or after an extension, uh, uh, which I'm not rooting for the extension, uh, we, we we have to invest in the safety net for our farmers and ranchers. And I, and I think the speaker heard heard that loud and clear from, uh, from those in attendance in Tulare, California, when we were at the World Agriculture Exposition. Uh, many of those were his own constituents, by the way, in yeah. the Central Valley. Um, you know, the need for different areas where we need to find new dollars. And I think one of the allies that we have in that is, quite frankly, Budget Chairman Jody Arrington. He's a he's a great Aggie himself. Um, you know, we're yeah, I think there are, there are efficiencies that could bring us some new dollars uh, uh, just as we look at uh, you know, incorporating some of the disaster relief that we've that we normally spend in an emotional way, and anytime you do that, you don't do it efficiently, right? You do a an emerge some type of disaster bill uh, that tends to be the kind of thing that that uh, uh, sometimes different both chambers, but a lot in the Senate will will put in some additional legislation on must pass pieces of legislation. It would spend a lot of money and not all of it very smartly. And so by incorporating some of that disaster relief into crop insurance, we will enhance crop insurance, make it more attractive for more subscriptions. At the same time, I think we can do that by spending less money. So we'll, we'll bring new dollars uh, in. And, and that's just one of a number of ideas we have. And there's a recognition that in certain areas, certain titles of the farm bill, we need to find some new dollars. Okay, now, and even though Stabenow has said you don't go into one area to get more funding, you can deal, I guess, with that in a conference eventually, right? Absolutely, yeah. And the House does lead the chairs of the conference this time around. Uh, but I, I, I think there's dollars to be had there, and, and common sense tells us, especially when we've been going through such a an emotional time of spending. Uh, when you look at the trillions of dollars just in the past two years, two and a half, uh, or, or two, uh, yeah, to going back two and a half years. Uh, I mean, we're talking trillions of dollars, Jim. You can't tell me that there's some of that was spent emotionally, was appropriated uh, unwisely and not in the best form, best best way, best purpose. And I'm talking things specific to agriculture. Will, will some of those refinements include a voluntary update of base acres, uh, Chairman, because I know soybean and other grower groups want that. Others don't. And But every time I deal with an issue, it's like the bl a black hole trying to get accurate data. Or I understand your committee staff is working with USDA to get some information. Is that correct on, on base correct. acres? We we definitely like we're working on uh, doing a deep dive on all the information that we're getting, all the requests, uh, all the considerations. Base Acres is one of those. Whether we can actually do something, uh, again, like you, Jim, did a good job of laying out that this is something you need to have good data to be able to do. What about all the questions that have come up? Uh, having base acres is like winning the lottery. What about those new young and beginning farmers that do not have base acres, but we're relying on them to feed us well into the future for decades? Uh, so uh, base acres is something that has come up a lot in our listening sessions across the country and, and certainly something we're looking at right now, but we really don't have any conclusions at this point.
on food stamps, I know you've been wanting to expand uh, beyond what the debt limit package included. I think you want to expand career and technical uh, education groups excluded from the work requirements. Is, is that still your goal? Uh, title four, the, the nutrition title, there's a lot that we need to look at there. Uh, first of all, I was pleased that the speaker came to me and asked me what we should put forward in the debt ceiling. He wanted something that was going to perhaps would save some money. Uh, at the same time, though, that would not uh, blow up the farm bill process. And we were able to accomplish that. Uh, just the fact that we we reduced the percentage of waivers that uh, uh, that a state can use. Uh, we zeroed out as, as of the first of the year, you know, hundreds of thousands of waivers that uh, uh, that the states would stockpile, basically exempting anyone from having access to the, uh, as you talked about, named the SNAP employment and career and technical education benefits. Uh, yeah, I was very disappointed. Uh, of what the president and his people put into the the debt ceiling related to this, they they basically excluded folks who are homeless, people who are veterans, and young adults, eighteen year old foster youth who uh, all of a sudden overnight become adults, and therefore some of them leave their foster homes with all their life belongings in a garbage bag. This is pretty sad situation. Um, they essentially put language into the debt ceiling that prevented anyone within those three groups of having access access to the SNAP employment and career and technical education benefits that we provide uh, by by waiving that uh, opportunity for them. That, that's something we need to look at. Lastly, Mr. Chairman, uh, will you seek to get language in the bill to curtail USDA's ability to tap the Commodity Credit Corporation Charter Act for funding? Now, I know the uh, Republicans in your House Appropriations Bill for fiscal year 2024 includes this language. Will that also be a topic in the Farm Bill debate? It's certainly going to be a topic. Uh, you know, as you noted, the current proposed bill from the Appropriations, Ag Appropriations Subcommittee, reinstated some guardrails that would limit the Secretary's discretionary authority to use the CCC. And and, and, and quite frankly, that's where it belongs. Uh, that, that could be very, very helpful. Uh, that goes forward and survives the appropriation process. I would be supportive of that. You know, a recent government accounting organization report uh, reinforced the fact that the Climate Smart Commodity Pilot Program should have gone through a rulemaking process. And Secretary Vilsack circumvented Congress. And uh, where I, I do appreciate the opportunity, I, I like working with the Secretary uh, personally. Um, I think we have a good relationship. I was not happy with what happened there. You know, from the Ag Committee's perspective, I'm concerned that using the Farm Bill to legislate sideboards around USDA's interpretations of the CCC authority would impede the ability for of uh, future ag secretaries. So we can, however, exercise our oversight authority, and we are definitely doing that at this point. Chairman of the House Ag Committee, Representative G.T. Thompson of Pennsylvania's 15th District, we appreciate your time, sir. Okay, Jim, um, reflecting on, on uh, Representative Thompson's comments, your general thoughts, what's your biggest takeaway here? First, he's still passionate, and you can hear it in his voice, about getting mm -hmm. a farm bill done. Uh, yet this year, maybe early next year, uh, he didn't rule out an extension, but he definitely doesn't want one. So that, that's 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 solid there. Two is that he made some news in that or amplified on some news in which he said some additional funding for the farm bill could come about through efficiencies, as he called it, 
with uh, other areas in the farm bill. Now, mm -hmm. when we ask him, as you heard, uh, because uh, Senate Ag Chair uh, Debbie Stabenow says she doesn't want that, he said basically they can deal with that in a conference. So I think he believes he has more wiggle room for funding to make true uh, changes. And one of those uh, could be an update of base acres, voluntary basis. But he even he admitted uh, there, there's a lot of data that they're going through on that one, Davis. So you're you're hoping for an efficient U.S. government to uh, to help us sort this all out. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, it's the only the the inefficient, the wide inefficiency of uh -huh. of the U.S. government allows for savings uh, to come in to be better spent. Is is what I would say, and I think that's what mm -hmm. he said. Okay, um, it was interesting to hear him talking about because you asked him point blank, "Are we going to get a farm bill this year?" Senator Chuck Grassley has a quote out there floating around uh, today. He doesn't seem so sure that we're going to get it done this year yet. And, and I know what the good senator is saying. And, and um, uh, you know, GT usually says he respectively disagrees with uh, Grassley. And I think that's mm -hmm. the best way to put it. Let's try to let's try to do it. And so the will is there. The definite will is there. And he went through some of the hurdles on food stamps, but he made it yeah. clear in, in our interview that he wants further changes uh, that could allow some more savings. If, if if you read him right, mm -hmm. uh, for for some of the additional you know uh, you know changes in in food stamps, so uh, and he mentioned uh, maybe modifying some of the disaster uh, programs to get some more efficiencies and some more savings. So uh, and he basically compared it as he said to a baseball game. We're rounding first base, which means they have the the listing sections all, uh, done. Now they're starting to write it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. uh, generally, it feels like uh, with G.T. Thompson there at the head of the House Ag Committee, man, we've got the right guy in a key position there. Agreed? You need that. Absolutely. He is. I've been at several meetings he's been to. He sits down throughout most of the meeting and takes notes, talks to people, farmers, ag executives at the meeting. He's the right person at the right time. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, let's let's move on. Uh, EPA given another week to finalize those RFS quotas. A, a short-term extension here, Jim. What does that get us? Well, they keep on doing that. I don't know who extends uh, programs more, USDA for signups or EPA, you know, through <laughs> court orders and then a modification of them. Now, yeah. what most media people are not accurately reporting is uh, you better say what you just said accurately, Davis, uh, 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 this, um, setting, settling on the quotas. That doesn't mm -hmm. necessarily mean EPA will announce them June the 21st, because uh, last year, again, they finalized the mandates, but they didn't um, announce it until a, a few days later. So we still don't know whether June the 21st date will be an announcement date, but it will be a decision date of which uh, uh, they will sign a document saying these are the mandated levels for 2023, uh, 24, and 25. And it's widely expected they'll increase the uh, renewable diesel and biodiesel amounts, but uh, whether or not that will be enough to satisfy the proponent's uh, 
remains to be seen. But now they have another week to do so. If they're if they're only taking an extra week to 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 keep working on this, I would almost read that like it feels like they're about where they need to be. Is is that how we we read this? Yeah, I agree. I, I yeah. just I would love to know why they always need more time. You eventually <laughs> sure. have to make decisions, so make them. Come on, let's let's mm-hmm. let's move the ball forward. Indeed. Um, and we are hoping to get someone from RFA on AgriTalk tomorrow to uh, to sort through all of all of this. Um, a, another big topic: yelling on the U.S. dollar. Some currencies making gains versus the dollar, but not so much on the Chinese yuan. Yeah, in fact, they've been going down, which has China watchers saying they don't know whether they're going to modify their their relationships to, to relationship to the dollar or not. Uh, China's economy is not near where Xi Jinping, their leader, wants it to be. So it's widely expected now that they'll announce some more stimulus. Uh, they've been reducing some of their interest rates, which has affected their yuan or the remedy, their currency. So they're in a little box right now. Davis, but we fully expect some more stimulus, uh, you know, because th- their economy is anemic right now. Mm-hmm. I've heard an awful lot about the BRICS nations and other nations supposedly wanting to join up with those BRICS nations. Um, is is Yuan the currency poster child for the BRICS nation necessarily, or is it is that not necessarily a foregone conclusion? No, that's not a foregone conclusion. You have to have the rule of law to have a, a, mm-hmm. cur- a world currency. And let's uh-huh. be honest, they don't have the rule of law over there. However, you mentioned Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen. And in Congress this week, she said the dollar's share of uh, you know global reserves are going to likely decline slowly, but it won't be replaced entirely because she said there's no viable alternatives uh yeah. she she mentioned france has been using non-dollar transactions but they've not found any meaningful workaround bottom line she yeah. said that uh, the dollar remains strong in international trade and she doesn't see that changing anytime soon and i agree with her on that okay. one okay okay um let's let's move on jim dude are we still negotiating at west coast ports <laughs> oh it's like a year ago on. now we started talking it, it about is. this didn't we well, it's it whenever it involves uh, wages, and that's what it does. That's what it is. That that's mm-hmm. been the key issue. They're an obstacle in the talks. Now this week, they there's a so-called grace period this week where they'll work. Actually, there was some stoppage recently in some of the West Coast ports. So if they're talking, they're mediating, and that's always a good sign. But they want to get the White House involved. But uh, you know, thus far, they're hands off on that one. But uh, we could still see a broader slow down if you know this thing is protracted any further has that moved more um import export business over to other ports over on the east coast i'm thinking about you know some of those some of those ports were hopping on the eastern seaboard when uh when this trouble kind of first erupted absolutely and i think that's going to continue and in fact uh Georgia, the Brunswick uh, area, just mm-hmm. recently announced a multi-million-dollar uh, 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 you know, boost uh, for for the years ahead in expanding their ports. So I just don't think that this is a one one-time phenomenon. No longer will we uh, re- rely on the West Coast ports as much as we uh, have, and and I don't blame importers. Yep, yep, agreed. Uh, let's <laughs> let's head over to Ukraine. 
the grain deal. It just it just keeps coming up. Uh, Russian President Putin has has just been unhappy in any of these negotiations. Slow to come to the table. Slow, you know, just always a, a bit contrarian. His complaints really seem. I don't, is is he in a position to where he would seem soft if he just said, you know what, yeah, the, the Ukraine grain export thing, yeah, I have no problem with that. We can we can let that go. Isn't Putin in a place where he kind of has to kick up a little bit of dust here? He does because he's getting increasing pressure uh, inside uh, Russia as some of those drones have hit inside Russia. And he's even acknowledged in recent days that they don't have enough ammunition, Mm -hmm. have ammunition, but not enough. So that's uh, something very unusual for Putin in the grain deal. He does have control over that. So sooner or later, I think he, he wants to pull out of it. Now that the Turkey elections are over, we're just getting tired of this. Every time that you come up with the, yep. you know, the next deadline, they raise the same issues. It's yada, yada, yada. Right, right. Big counteroffensive on the part of the Ukrainians. They're pushing back against Russia. Has Ukraine got the juice? Uh, they have the juice, uh, although they need some more powerful weapons. And uh, President Biden, as once again, he's got a, a trend where he denies a certain request for a while and eventually he caves in. But th- I think the next few months are going to be key whether or not Ukraine can over uh, uh, overtake Russia. So mm-hmm. we're in the serious time now. Yep, indeed, indeed. Um, Prop 12 still making ripples throughout the ag world parts of the ag world still appear to be unsure what to do about it where do we sit on prop 12 jim yeah i've been i'm working on a story for pro farmer for an update but you know we all know it's a big cost to convert and 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 combined with the lost production associated with prop 12 and who's got the money right now in the hog industry to convert yeah. uh, you know the, the range needed for prop 12 uh, you know production cost uh, needs an increase of what six to thirteen dollars per head but you know currently u.s pork producers are seeing an average of forty dollars loss on every pig so that yeah. doesn't make you very willing and then you know in california their ag department cdfa is called uh, is working with the july one really july two deadline for distributors to register you know you know with the age agency but they've said no enforcement action is going to be taken with pork already in the pipeline now we know markets uh, davis when you say no enforcement action will be taken with pork already in the pipeline i will guarantee you a flood of u.s pork is going to enter california (laughs) for cold storage if nothing else if they have it yeah. Uh, and that means a lot of U.S. pork could be shipped to California ahead of actual enforcement. But, you know, after January 1, 2024, or 12 months for the initial, from the initial registration, CDFA uh, says all distributors are going to need to resubmit with a valid third-party certification. And that's going to be on an annual basis. Now, in in I, I also have found out that uh, uh, around 8% now of U.S. sow housing 
can meet the new Prop 12 standard. That's a bit up from what we've heard before. So progress is being made, but that's still below the levels needed to meet California's pork demand. Uh, 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 Prop 12 compliant farms are also finding conception rates are dropping from 96% to 70%. So that, that's right? involved with, yes. And so one solution they have found Hmm. that appears to be working is they're feeding sows twice the amount of food normally fed them during the first 30 days of their gestation period. Now that comes at a big expense. So let's bottom line. The major processors that I've talked with believe they'll eventually, the key word there eventually, will have enough supply to meet California's anticipated pork demand. And that's estimated at around 13% of total U.S. pork consumed. However, the, the 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 mix of cuts may have to change because California usually consumes high amounts of uh, you know bacon and ribs, but fewer hams and loins. But that could change. Yeah, yeah. Um, you've always got a lot floating around in your noggin. Next couple of days, next few weeks or so, what uh, what have you got a pin in to keep an eye on? Oh, well, it's the Fed announcement this afternoon, just shortly mm-hmm. after after we record this, uh, Davis. Yep. And uh, the, the wide expectation is that they're going to skip. And then depending on their dot map, they'll have to they'll have to show whether or not there's going to be any more increases. We could have another 25 basis point uh, hike in interest rates at their July meeting. But that dot map they released today uh will will show that and then in the july fomc meeting uh we'll we'll have other inflation data to see whether or not they'll have to back off bottom line once they once they signal that they're done cutting they're going to go more than a few months in a holding pattern but at least the financial markets are going to say well we won't have any more increases so that's a that's a shot of adrenaline for financial markets you're already seeing it in the equity markets mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. we'll definitely have to keep an eye on that and uh, all the markets in addition to what's going on in washington and in the world of policy jim nobody's better than you at keeping an eye on policy we appreciate you brother Thank you. So come back next week for Chip Flory and Jim Wiesmeyer with Markets and News Signal to Noise.